And welcome to the pre-snap motion episode number 13. We are brought to you by sharpfootballanalysis.com. My name is Chad Scott and uh, with me for a second time, or actually I should say maybe I'm, I'm with you for a second time. Uh, Rich Rebar, let me, let me bring you in here. I'm with you for the second time here. How are you doing, buddy? What's going on, brother? I mean, you were always with me. It, it might just be a second time, but you, you've always been with me. But yeah, hey, listen, two in a row. Uh, we're starting a trend. So, I mean, you're back yeah. and here we are, man, mid-July. We're going we're gonna to do a fun different show today, too. We're just not going to focus on player analysis like we've kind of been the last couple shows. And we're going to do something a little more, hopefully, evergreen. You know, yeah, yeah, space. that's that's what we're hoping for. And today, we're excited because today we're, we're going to be talking about auctions um, and how do you go about in uh, navigating your auctions. But first, um, I obviously want to bring up the fact that uh, your, your, our, your bosses, Warren Sharp, his book came out this week. Um, phenomenal read. It's obviously just packed full of information, 350 plus pages of just fantasy and real football goodness. Uh, you're in it as well with uh, your own spin for fantasy purposes. And uh, it's out. Uh, you can go and buy it on the site. And uh, the early bird is over right now. Uh, is the, the free preview still there, Rich? Yeah, free preview is still up. Uh, I believe by the time you hear this, yeah, the early bird will not be there anymore. But I may be wrong, so check it out on the site. You know, I've, you know, I've, I've been wrong before on that type of stuff. Maybe it gets extended. Uh, but the free preview is out anytime you still even want to know what you're getting into. And you can check out the Pittsburgh Steelers chapter, which is yeah. 10 pages just on the Steelers. Uh, <laughs> so it's got packed full of all the information you want to look for, uh, uh, basically anything under the sun. So, And it's like that for every team and has some bonus content from myself, Warren, and Dan Pizzuta. So definitely go check out that book. I mean, a lot of hours and, you know, our football souls this spring were poured into that book. So definitely check it yeah. out. And if even if you're on the fence, check out that free chapter. I think that even just that free chapter will sway you with you see the amount of content that you're getting per team uh, to stump your your dad, your uncle, your grandpa, your wife, your children, any type of uh, little nugget from last year that you kind of throw out at the bar, even though no one's going to bars anymore. Uh, but maybe your Zoom, your Zoom, Zoom hangouts meetings, with someone. Right, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, just little nugs. Yeah, no, definitely. And, uh, you know, if, you, if, if you're on the fence or whatever, you can always uh, search it in Twitter and see what everybody else is saying about it. Because uh, from what it looks like, everybody who has purchased their copy um, is, uh, is pretty stoked they did and it's uh it's pretty awesome awesome uh, beast of a book so make sure you're you're heading to the site and purchasing that for your own um so let's let's move on to the pod here rich uh this is something we obviously love doing um we've been in many auctions together uh throughout the years um and it's it's auction it's auction strategy and it's what we like um what we don't like about auctions maybe um and you know i know people are are you kind of used to us talking about dynasty auctions and this is kind of a, this is won't be dynasty focused so much as it will be for your incoming redraft auctions. If you go that route. So um, first off, I guess I'm going to ask it, ask you what are the benefits to draft or to doing auctions versus, you know, your standard snake style drafts. 
Yeah, we wanted to do this not on the cusp of just the season starting in case some leagues, you know, still might be on the fence or kind of trying to sway the vote over to their league mates of changing their league over to an auction that's been a long time, Snake League. And, you know, as much fantasy content still is in the space, I still feel like, you know, auctions aren't really talked about a lot. You know, the, you know there's not a lot of just like pure auction content. So we wanted to at least put a little show together. Um, we know that it does exist in, in this space too, but, you know, we wanted to at least give a show, a little dedication to it as well but the reason i i mean i like auctions they're my favorite way to draft and i don't mean that i'm not so pro auction that i'm anti-snake i just prefer auctions they're just a it's just a better format i do like that snake drafts like make you force you to make hard decisions um you know they they force you to you know make a decision on a payer and, and, and pay for those decisions you know but auction formats at op offer uh, you know, more optimal uh, for versatility, you know, an approach. Uh, they're really optimal in balancing the scales of team building, offering kind of a neutral playing field pre-draft. You know, if you look at fantasy drafts in a, from a serpentine snake style, early picks just have such a strong advantage, and especially in terms of win rates. Uh, I know if you guys follow Mike Beers on Twitter, you know, he's kind of a best ball maven, a best ball guru. But he posted, you know, win rates from best ball leagues over the past five years. And the top four picks were widely the highest win rates, while the final three picks had significantly lowered win rates. And they were nearly 50% reduced from the top four picks in terms of win rate. You know, even some people, I, I'm someone that even talks myself into it sometimes. Like, I really like picking on the turn. I like to get two of the top 15 players instead of just well, one that's- of the top <laughs> yeah and so like that that's exactly where i kind of want to stop you there because for me i whenever so like my main redraft league we kind of we pick hats or numbers out of a hat mm-hmm. for, for draft position i never want to be in that top four i always want to be somewhere in the middle or right at the back so historically that's a terrible decision right yeah i mean if you look at these win rates you just you the hit the hits are coming from the top of the draft i mean if yeah. you, it's and you know a lot of it is tied to just the 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 significant the amount of impact the RB one has in the fantasy community. And I did a podcast with Dan Pazuda on the show, probably about, you know, six weeks ago where we talked about the wide receiver landscape and just talked about the overall value of RB ones and how that's been a pay to play endeavor in those top running backs that are league changing are coming from those picks. They're coming yeah. from those top four picks. And, and granted there's a bust here or there out of those guys, but that's typically where all those three, four those three, yeah, those 300-plus point PPR running backs are coming out of those spots, and, and you only get one chance to get those in a snake draft, and 75% of your league doesn't have a shot to get them. Yeah. And the auction, you know, obviously when you go to this format, it, it gives you just a, a completely level playing field, and it allows anyone to pursue any player they would want, whereas, you know, a typical snake draft basically lets you know where you're what, – what pool of players you're picking from. You know, you're never going to get Christian McCaffrey past – you know, say like maybe the 103 at the possibly the latest, and that's going to be an extremely rare example. Right. Um, so, I mean, it gives everyone a shot at Christian McCaffrey, yep. you know, and so on exactly. and so forth. And and I think that's what just, you know, uh, that, that's what the main primary objective it offers us is, is to just a neutral playing field. It doesn't give anyone an inherent advantage just by having the luck of a draft slot. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm completely with you there. And I think, I think when you're talking about auctions, uh, and I prefer – uh, the longer kind of uh, proxy auctions, 24-hour proxy, than like live auctions because uh, I feel like I panic a little too much. Um, and the long ones kind of give me just uh, some time to, to really think about what I'm about to do. Um, but you get, really get to know uh, your, 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 
I guess the teams you're drafting or auctioning against of what they're, what they want to do and how they're going to do it. And you can kind of bait them sometimes. So I really like that uh, aspect of auctions as well. Mm -hmm. um, let's go over a couple of the do's and don'ts of auctions. Um, the first do's of auctions, what, what should we be doing in auctioning and focusing on as we, as we um, maybe somebody's doing their first auction, what should they focus on the do's? So the, the biggest thing is kind of where it's a, a kind of an anti redraft play is that you just don't want to get caught on the back end of a, a positional tier. Whereas typically in a snake draft, you'll try to get a player before a tier clears. You'll say, well, this is the last guy in this tier. That's why I want to grab him. But you actually don't want to get caught on the last player of a tier in an auction because you're going to actually typically get overbid on that player. So think of like each tier. And, you know, we've talked about this back in the day on Fake Goods with our buddy J.J. Zacharyson. It's always an example we've laid out. Is Think of each tier as like the letter U just like, a, like a, a capital U and the top of the tier is one point say Christian McCaffrey. And you know, then it, it goes to Saquon Barkley, then Zeke's in the middle. Then it goes to Alvin Cook. Then Alvin Kamara is the last guy on the U. You don't want to be the guy that's stuck with just the last player that's left in, in the auction. So say, you know, Zeke comes out first, he goes for uh, X amount of dollars. Say, he, you know, he's going for, you know, 25% of the budget, but people won't bid on Zeke because they know Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley are still out there. But if all those guys get cleared and only Alvin Kamara is the last guy left, everyone that wants to get that in on that tier is going to inflate the price. He's the last one of those guys available. Now, I brought up that top tier as an example, but how many auctions have you been in, Chad, personally, where this is like in like a tier like eight of a wide receiver where Tory, Tory Smith is left and someone's <laughs> like, I need a wide receiver three Smith. and it's the last guy left. And he ends up going for like more than a wide receiver two went for, yep. you know, a half hour earlier. We've seen that dozens of examples of that. So you just, you never want to get caught drafting the last player on a tier because that player is going to get the pricing goes, like I said, like the letter U it's going to start out high and it's going to dip in the middle and then spike back up. It's the, the supply of that tier kind of runs out. So you always, you never want to get caught on the back end of that tier, uh, which kind of ties into also don't be scared um, when you're on the front of a tier to overpay because yep. it's going to come back and spike around. And you've seen, like I said, uh, you know, I, I gave a high end example, but how many times have you seen a player that's completely not worth it, but because of the point where he's nominated in the draft and the supply and demand just gets completely inflated uh, over where he should have been initially. Right. Like, I mean, literally I'm, I'm in an auction right now where, um, I could have had like Chris Carson or uh, it was Chris Carson or like Mark Ingram for basically like six bucks a year. Um, and I, I just, I didn't want to pay that much. It's only a hundred dollar budget. Um, and so I waited, I waited and now I, I had to get Matt Breida for $4 a year just because I was, I was stuck. I needed a running back and I just, I, that one I kind of let get away from me. So, I mean, it happened, it still happens to me um a lot because I'm, I'm not the smartest person in the room ever um but the, the and this is what i wanted to get into is as one of my dues is have a plan um have a plan going into your auction because a lot of the times i roll in with zero plan um and that's bit me a couple times uh especially when you don't look at scoring settings another do look at your scoring settings look at your lineup settings uh know your league um, so you can go in with a plan, uh, whether it's whether it's uh, one QB, super flex, PPR, tight end premium, whatever it may be. Um, have a plan. Try to stick to it, um, and then uh, 
what I like to do when I do plan for these things is uh, kind of go over my budget. How much percentage do I want to spend on QB? How much percentage do I want to spend on a running back, wide receiver, tight end, um, and so on and so forth. Uh, how often do you break your plan when you're in an auction? Because, I mean, nothing goes to plan when we're in these things. But how often do you kind of deviate from your plan? Um, you got to be a little bit flexible. So what I do is something similar to you. I will lay out, you know, every position in a spreadsheet. And then I will put the uh, dollar amount that I am targeting to pay for that position that I believe the value is. And then I'll list all the players that, I, that I'm willing to pay that dollar amount for in that, you know, tier. So it might not just be line up with the, you know, you or I, your, your tiers and my tiers might line up, might not line up, but uh, where I'm willing to pay, I'll, 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 I'll put that list of guys and say, I'll even have to go over, like, you know, I, I'm really targeting Ezekiel. I want to get Ezekiel Elliott but I can see that the RB1s are, are going to be more pricier than I thought. So listen, this happens in every auction. There's a position that goes for higher than you believe it's going to be coming in, and you kind of have to alter your approach. So I will then, you know, take that dollar amount and change it. But, you know, typically in my spreadsheet, I will then have to, you know, subsequently lower another position and then have to swap in a new tier of players, uh, you know, that I'm going to be targeting for that dollar amount because I went over. So I kind of map that all out uh, firsthand. And then just kind of adjust and pivot from there, kind of where the price point is for each tier, where I'm targeting them, and then, you know, having to slide in new tiers as the draft unfolds. But definitely having a plan at the top, um, and we can kind of talk about, too, like your strategy for nominating players, um, because mm -hmm. I think that's a big part of auctions, and especially how they play out early. Um, it's, it's, it's typically for me, I don't know if this is the case for you, but I mean, Typically, I actually early on in auctions actually want to nominate players I want, yep. like players I want to have because I want to know where that market is set and I want to be able to know where I'm calibrating the actual main crux of my income that yep. I have to spend. So I, early on, I'm nominating players I want. And typically, I will actually nominate a player that's um, a player below the, the, the very top player of a tier to see if I can get that player cheaper. But while, like I said, owners wait for So like, uh, you know, you might, uh, I might say, I really want Devonte Adams this year, but I know Michael Thomas is going to go for more. So if I can beat the crowd by nominating Devonte Adams first, I can, I know that part of the room is going to say, well, I really want to bid on Michael Thomas first. Right. And you'll get some people out that way because they want, they want to see where that bidding is going to go first. So I will do that early on. I will nominate players that I want to pay for. And typically like maybe one player under uh, the, the premier player at that position to see if I can come in and just sneak, you know, someone through that because someone wants to wait for that top dog and get in. So the that's, mix. yeah. And I think then you bringing up nominations, I think uh, just going right into that top, cause that's a, I feel like that's a whole nother strategic uh, auction, auctionable events uh, or auctionable advice that we can speak on <laughs> right now because um, nominating is, it's a game within a game. Uh, and for me, uh, I, I'm typically usually one of the first people to nominate um, on that 24 hour reset. I'm usually one of the first ones to nominate, which I probably wish was better about because um, I wish I could wait maybe uh, a couple hours uh, or even into the next morning to see who's out there and then uh, throw somebody out there uh, based on that. But I just, I'm, I'm just, 
I'm too antsy to get the auction going. Now, when like, you say 24-hour reset, let's let, let explain the, the proxy sure. auction to a couple people because some team, some leagues, given the circumstances of this offseason where you're not able to get together and maybe you can't get all your friends together if you have a live auction, even on the sites that are capable of hosting, uh, what a proxy auction is. And, you know, my fantasy league supports this if you play there. Um, mm-hmm. Just kind of give them a quick, you know, rundown of just what that is to explain to you because I don't feel like it's a common phrase in the dynasty community, but I don't think right. a lot of people utilize it in the redraft sense, but it is available on my fantasy league to use. Yeah. So um, basically if you're doing, even if you could do a slow draft or a live draft, you can still do um, proxy bidding uh, for auctions on my fantasy league. And what it basically is, is if you you're nominating a player, um, say you nominate him for $52 uh, that my, I know my, my fantasy league will show, you know, $1 Mark Ingram um, next to your name. Uh, and it won't, that, that number will only change, but my name will stay with it until somebody hits that $53, uh, threshold. So they have to basically outbid me. They don't know my bid. They could, they could bid 52, right, right where I'm at and never get that person, never know what I actually bid. But until they like go over my bid, um, that's basically what proxy is. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a fun way to do it if you don't have, like you said, especially during this climate, if you're not able to get everyone together. And I actually like proxy bids too, because you get to play a head game of, of what did this guy bid? You know, yep. it's a, and I think that it works really good at the example that I laid out uh, where you come in a little bit under like the pricing and you can get some really good deals that way. I've kind of always have slid some that. guys through there where you're like, Oh my goodness. Like uh, you slid Julio Jones through and he was, he actually ended up going way cheaper than that whole two years going now. And yep. so you strike on strike first on that. But I lo- do like the proxy bid because it's very, it's advantageous. The cat and mouse game of trying to figure out what people bid uh, instead of like a pure auction that's live where you immediately, someone takes Christian McCaffrey to $75 and then it's just like a, a guy's nickname and diming them up a dollar bit at a time yeah and i think uh, so, I, mean, yeah. I love that that's and and with those proxy bids um if if you want if you want a guy like i mean throw your hammer down on that uh, uh proxy bid because people will nickel nickel and dime you and if it's in the first beginning part of the auction um i'm okay with um feel like i might be overspending on somebody just to see how far somebody will go because usually on the slow drafts you can go down on your bid um if people aren't if if people haven't hit it yet so i like that too kind of kept kind of watching where my bids are going because i can always go down as long as somebody hasn't hasn't matched me yet right yeah and just to fully explain to everyone you get the money back that you you that the, yeah. the high, wherever the highest bid goes. So if you bid fifty dollars on a player and the next highest bid is only thirty five, you get him for thirty five dollars, yeah. and that fifteen dollars comes back exactly to you. Your um, so it's a really cool and unique way to. Um, so early on, I like to I like to bid on players that I want or target like players and tiers I want because I want to know where my big money's going. Because mm-hmm. one of the things I really don't want to do is to not be aggressive and have money during the back half of the draft because yeah, that's, that's when I'm going to have to over. That's when I'm. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm going to have to overpay for players. And, and a lot of times I've done this when I first got into auctions, I used to say like, I'm going to save my money. I'm going to scoop up all the value. I have all the money. And I never liked my teams. I I'd come away with what was essentially the, like a redraft roster. That was a bunch of like four rounds, four through eight picks. Yeah. Like I just, I just like mushed a bunch of rounds, four through eight picks together. And yeah, I got those guys for like fair pricing and I got some values, but my team never had the prerequisite, you know, kind of like, 
the the bombers, man. Like I, the guys that are tilting and winning leagues, and I've gone to be more aggressive. So I, I want to spend my money early on. That's why I want to nominate guys I want early on, typically. And then I start to adjust in the middle and later. You know, in the middle, I start to nominate players I don't want in those cost tiers that yeah. I don't want to pursue anymore. Either I've already filled. Um, say you personally, you, you, I'm looking at your team, Chad, and you're going against me, and I you've got a bunch of money and I, I say, man, I want to get rid of some of his money. Um, I've already got, you know, two good wide receivers. I'm going to try to get a position. You don't have a receiver. I'm gonna try to get some of your money out. I'm going to try yep. to get some of that. So that's how I start to play in the middle. And then later on, I wanted to not nominate any players. I want wait. I want to, you know, especially when you're dollared out or you don't, you only can spend a dollar at each position left. Cause I don't want my sleepers to get bid. Just I don't want $2 bids to win my sleepers. So yeah. I want to, I want to keep nominating players that I know I'm going to get outbid on, but the league's going to fill up and then I want to come in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So that's kind of how it adjusts, you know, the the nomination game throughout the draft uh, and how to play. And some people may do different and find different, find what works for you, find what's successful for you. But I typically want personally want to be aggressive in auctions uh, and and use uh, and find out where the core of my team is going to be first. Right. And so, there's, there's a couple approaches some people take to auctions and I am always a studs versus duds guy. Um, I want all the high end people I can get. Mm-hmm. I don't care how much I'm going to spend to get them. And I will fill out my roster with those ones and $2. Um, and I don't care. Cause I, that's just how I, that's just how I play. I, I play to win my leagues and uh, I, I don't care about balance. I want to be top heavy. If I get an injury, I get an injury. I'm probably going to lose anyway. So, I mean, like that's, that's just how I've always played fantasy football. Where are you at on the studs versus duds um, and other auction strategies uh, for the makeup of your, of your team? That's kind of where I've gravitated to. I told you when I first got into auctions, I was the opposite. I wanted to try to be the value guy. I got, oh you were, man. You have changed completely in your, in your auction status. I've noticed that. Yeah, where, you know, I, I, I used to be the guy like, oh, man, you, you spent $30 on Travis Kelsey. I, got, I just got Zach Ertz for 15 Ooh, like, you know, like, you know, I've kind of shifted away. And, you know, I've been a little more aggressive. I think just the, the, the biggest difference that I've come in that regard is being able to just, you know, be cognizant of, like I said, uh, think of like you're, you're spending money in an auction and how that equates to redraft. I told you I was ending up with teams where I was getting like a bunch of guys that like be equivalent to like a rounds four through eight guys in your snake draft. You only get one pick each round, you know, some leagues may, you may have like extra picks where you can trade picks and move around. But for the typical thing, if you have three first round picks, like that, you're getting three players, the top 36 players. Now you can, you know, I can get four or five players out of that tier. I can instead, I, maybe I want to just get two of the top five players. Um, I had a league last year, where, you know, it's, it's definitely running back driven. And my plan typically is to come and just get two alpha running backs and just that's it. And I'll just build the rest up. of it out. And, <laughs> and I've had a ton of success uh, in that league doing that. And I've gotten lucky with some injuries. Uh, last year it was Chris McCaffrey who I took uh, in that, in that, in that format as well. Um, and I ended up pairing him with uh, David Johnson who did not work out. Uh, but you know, David Johnson, the first six weeks was good. Chris McCaffrey obviously just smashed the whole year. And, but I, I just hit on like every receiver I had, you know, Allen Robinson, DJ Moore, uh, that tier of wide receivers actually just came through and smashed. And then I also had Lamar Jackson and that team was unbeatable. I mean, he but, helps, uh, he helps. <laughs> but so the way, the way I use auctions is, um, also to get types of players. I'm 
inherently more cautious on Purdue's draft stance. So the the thing that you know I, I think is honor you know good about uh, redrafts or you know honorable or like is it makes you make a decision on a guy. If you want to take a guy in a redraft league, you inherently know based on your next pick, I'm not going to be able to get a certain segment of players. You know that, um, but in an auction that doesn't exist. So I'm willing to take to shed some of my risk of risk drafting in a redraft league. I don't want to be risky with those first, you know, couple round picks in a redraft league. I just don't, I want to have some safety uh, because I know that like I can, I'm capable of calibrating in season and adjusting for when things go bad um, somewhat better than some of my league mates in leagues. Uh, not everyone, but you know, definitely some of them. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I can shed some of my risk of her skin in these auctions, say like a, a great example this year. All right. So, uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire really like his upside, the ceiling of what he can be in that Chiefs offense. Where he goes in the leagues I play in and redraft, way too high. I, yeah. I like for because there's just an amount of variance. He's a he's a rookie running back uh, on a team that is bringing back 20 of 22 starters. Uh, it's the best offense in football. The ceiling is definitely there, but he's a 208 pound back. There's a 225 pound Damian Williams. It can be a goal line threat. Damian Williams has come through in the playoffs for this team the last couple years. Uh, Clyde Edwards Flair goes at like the second and third round turn, sometimes near like a Josh Jacobs or a running back or a wide receiver that is just far more projectable in a range of outcomes to say like this guy might have the ceiling of Clyde Edwards Flair, but I know where the floor is and I know I'm not going to bust out on this pick, but in an auction, I'll go ahead and swing on the upside of Clyde Edwards Flair. I'll give me that because then I can insulate him. There's not as much opportunity cost that there would be um, a foregoing the next, you know, 10 picks and me losing out on like a couple of tiers of players. Now I can get Clyde Edwards Flair. He can be my RB three because I can still pay for RB two or two running backs, the same cost. Um, you know, at the same thing. So, I mean, I'll be a little more risk averse players that have injury risks, uh, more just uh, volatility to them. I will take on more in an auction than I will pay for those guys. I mean, typically that entire RB2 tier this year, that back end RB1 tier uh, that has jumped that me and Dan talked about on that show, like the Kenyon Drakes, yeah. the Austin Ecklers, the Miles Sanders, the Aaron Joneses, those guys, if you look at a pure ADP, you have to take those guys over typically Devontae Adams. You have to take those guys over DeAndre Hopkins. These are wide receivers that have, are just projectable. They're bankable. You know where like, the opportunity lies those guys if they don't get hurt, whereas these running backs have a wide range of outcomes. So, I mean, it's a, there's a decision you have to make, uh, you know, in a snake draft as opposed to an auction where I don't have the opportunity cost. I can still get an Austin Eckler and a Devontae Adams. I'm not, right. I'm not shutting myself off from that faucet. So I will be a, a lot more or will be a lot less risk averse in an auction. Cause I want to play a little bit for um, that ceiling. Yeah. And what's funny uh, you brought up Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Um, typically he's going, I think round like late round two, early round mm -hmm. three. Is that correct? Yeah. So, so that's where he's going in snake drafts, right? If you had to guess, um, what running back is he going uh, right now? I'm looking at fantasy pros um, auction scoring and, and budgets and what running back do you think he's at right now? If you had to guess like in terms of just like salary. Uh, no, just like salary or just a range of RB. What? Like, oh, he's uh, gotta be a high RB two. He's gotta be a high RB two, like RB like 12 to 15. Right. So he's RB 19 right now in auctions. That's like perfect because you don't have. He's literally the per like the the person I was going to bring up because you can't get him in snake drafts for what he's cost. But auctions, I mean, out of out of uh, a okay, this point. is this is a two hundred dollar budget PPR scoring 
um, assume $200 budget. Christian McCaffrey is going for $64 on average. Uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is at 21. He's under David Johnson's at 24. Melvin Gordon's at 20. He's sandwiched right in between them. And he goes way before both those guys in a snake yep. draft. Yeah. Same with Leonard Fournette, Chris Carson, uh, Le'Veon Bell, um, Todd Gurley sometimes. Yeah. This, that's, that's, and that's why I love auctions because this is where, this is, I feel like where you don't have to, you don't have to plant your flag on somebody. I mean, you, you're just, you're, you're, you're seeing these values and you're, and you're scooping them up. Um, and that's one thing I love about it. And so I wanted to kind of talk about, um, we talked a little bit about percentages and what you're doing with your teams. So most, obviously most, most drafts out there are going to be the one QB, um, maybe PPR. Um, that's becoming a little more uh, standard these days uh, than than the regular standard, obviously. Thanks, ESPN. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, ESPN. So, um, as far as your uh, your onesie positions, your QBs, your tight ends, um, what is your mentality going into an auction? On uh, let's start with quarterbacks. Uh, Lamar Jackson, Pat Mahomes, are those guys pretty much out for you in one QB leagues? Yeah, I might see them through for a little bit just to see where they go, but typically I'm not allotting that much to the position because I want to get, you know, running backs and wide receivers. I will do switch it up, though, like you kind of hit on the tight ends. I do approach tight ends a little bit differently because of that opportunity cost we talked about. I mean, when you don't take – when you take George Kittle or Travis Kelsey in a snake league, you're, you have to bypass a really top-end wide receiver and a really top-end running back, uh, you know, either or. And you don't have to do that here. So I, I tend to gravitate more towards bidding on those guys in an auction setting than a typical snake, just because of the opportunity cost factor. Right. Uh, quarterbacks, I like to, I like that middle QB one and just kind of prod my way through a guy. You know, maybe it's Deshaun Watson is the guy that goes cheap. Maybe it's Kyler Murray. Maybe like last year's Dak Prescott. I like to kind of just poke my way and see which guy I can get under the you know the roster allotment I have. Typically, it's like five percent. Like I'll set something for quarterbacks, maybe 5%. And if I go over a dollar or two, if I really just like the guy or because I see like quarterbacks maybe are just a little inflated and it's just a guy I want or I've missed out, maybe I'll go up a dollar or two. But I typically try to see if I can get a guy under first um, that I just really like either whether it be based on start of schedule or just the, the, the guy in the tier comes out first. Like Russell Wilson gets nominated before before Watson, before Murray. And you say, well, yeah, like I have those guys ranked ahead of Wilson, but the, the the difference isn't really that is, is really kind of negligible and I can save a few bucks that I can now yeah. tack on over here to my other, other position. So that's kind of how I do quarterback. So I'm not typically not the guy, even with the opportunity cost that I, I said as a benefactor for kind of everybody else is still tough for quarterbacks for me to invest the money. That's, and that's, that's uh, kind of where I wanted to go because um, you're talking 5%, let's say 5% of your, um, of your $200 budget. Um, you're, I feel like there's so many guys that you can get for $1. Um, mm -hmm. just looking at this, this is, so, so let me go back to this $200 budget again. Um, $1 guys, let me read you off some $1 guys. Um, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Ryan Tannehill, Baker Mayfield, uh, zero guys are Jimmy Garoppolo. These are guys that are like, basically don't even get bought in auctions. Um, Joe Burrow, uh, Kirk Cousins, uh, you're even looking at Daniel Jones as two dollars. So I mean, I am not, I'm not investing, but maybe three, four percent, like you said, in in my budget either, because those guys can have those QBs. I'd rather spend um, 
a good portion, probably 85 in a perfect world, 85% of my budget's going to go towards running backs and wide receivers, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in a typical 12 team league, if it's 12 teams, you know, you'll probably only have 18 to 20 QBs even drafted, yeah. uh, you know, total. And there are definitely more viable QBs in a one QB league at this point. So yeah, you're pretty good. Uh, at, at waiting at that position still. And, I mean, you typically run into a guy. I mean, I think it's going to change this year because we did have two guys kind of be record-breaking quarterbacks at almost the exact same cost years in a row. And banking on that happening a third year in a row I think is probably a little bit of a stretch. Sure, uh, and you've sure. already seen the room kind of already price guys in. Like Kyler Murray's made a significant jump to the top five QB this year. Whereas, Josh you know, Allen the same. He's getting Yeah, and, you know, both Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson were going right around that – QB1 cusp everyone knew the upside that was involved but there was still kind of a, an unknown that wasn't warranted yet but you know we've kind of thrown it all in and, and gone, gone in on these guys that are mobile and can throw uh, so, so is Daniel Jones the next is is Daniel Jones the next guy and why why isn't he <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely in the mix I mean I right. talked about Daniel Jones and just the, the my only problem with him from a redraft stance is his first month is just absolutely dreadful uh, you know, when you look at his start of a season where they play uh, the Steelers, the Bears, and the 49ers the first three weeks, and the, those are all top eight teams in terms of pressure rate and where Daniel Jones was really truly awful last year was against any team that can generate pressure. Now, they did add some offensive linemen and offensive lines to be better, but there's going to be no way, even the staunchest Daniel Jones supporter, you're not going to be able to really say, like, hey, objectively, do you believe Daniel Jones is a QB1 this week, any of those first three weeks? Right. And I want to come out and hit the blocks. Now, I think Daniel Jones is a good buy when he – so those teams that end up disappointing into him because end up disappointing in him and to the, he gets off to a slow start, he might find his way onto a waiver wire. And then you come up when that schedule lightens up and take advantage because you look at all of his hits last year and this is a guy that showed like a, a really tremendous season I mean he had four 30 point games they were all in just cherry spots just supreme cherry spots uh going in like it was neon lights like everyone was in on Daniel Jones like he was a great uh, DFS play all of those weeks uh you know I, I remember like it was it was easy to be on him those weeks and it was easy to highlight his high points and his low points and if he hasn't changed he could come out and really struggle those first three weeks. There's not going. I'm not going to want to really play him. But you talk about you brought up a guy like Ben Roethlisberger. His first month is amazing, like it looks like on paper just the start of the season. So you and can come in and grab him say. for a dollar, like yep. you said, and you you got your bridge QB to either Daniel Jones if you take two quarterbacks and to you when you want to start playing Daniel Jones, or you just have your bridge to the next guy. Um, so I mean that front half of that schedule, and we did some early season SOS on this podcast. Uh, right after the schedule release happens. So you can go back and check that out. Where We talked actually about Ben Rosberg and Daniel Jones, just two guys. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of what I'm looking at is that if I'm going the dollar QB route, I'm looking at someone I can use out of the gates. Yep, completely agree. Um, and that's, I mean, you're spending two bucks on Jones, a dollar on Roethlisberger, and a $200 budget. That is, what, a percent and a half, 2%, something like that? Um, take that every time. Uh, so as far as tight ends, um, I don't really consider Zach Ertz to be in like the top three. I mean, I probably should. I mean, it's probably, he's probably in there with, with, uh, with Mark Andrews as well. Um, if you don't get one of those guys, I am typically for me, um, I'm not, uh, spending, uh, valuable auction dollars on guys like, 
uh, Higby, Hunter Henry, Hayden Hurst, Der- Jared Cook. I'm going to throw my darts on guys like Fant, Jacecki, Hawkinson, mm-hmm. uh, Herndon, and try to get you know three, four of those guys. Hopefully, I hit one or two of them, um, and then uh, call it a day in my auction. What What's your strategy if if you don't get one of the top three guys? Uh, what's your strategy going into that? I pr- pretty much 100% line with what you said. So tight end position in terms of cost, and if you just want to equate. Uh, auction dollars spent as ADP, we are by far the worst at drafting the tight end position in fantasy football. If you took an ADP correlation to points, we are by far the absolute worst. It's the, it's the least predictable position by ADP. It has been predictable at the top, but you hit upon it. It's that mid tight, tight end one tier to low tight end two to, to low tight end one tier that we are just really bad at forecasting. And it has just a lot of volatility. And those players are hyper volatile. It actually happened to me in the fishbowl in a snake draft to where that tier of guys I just couldn't get in on. And then I missed the run of the next tier guys that you brought oh. in, like the high oh. upside guys. And I got froze out on the the fans, the Hawkinsons, uh, you know, all those guys that were just in that row. And then I missed that whole tier. So in a snake draft, I got boned, but uh, that was my own doing is it's not, it's because I didn't, you know, forecast the room doing that where an auction, I would be able to get in on some of those players. Yeah. Um, that we talked about, but I'm the same way. So I want to come in and yeah, look for upside that's cheap. I don't want to get caught taking players from that middle tier. Uh, Cause as you, as it equates from auction dollars to ADP, that's, that has been just a hyper volatile section of the position to draft in, in general. We've gotten a lot of those picks wrong yearly. Uh, and it's just really tough to, you know, ha- have a lot of, you know, actionable projectability, you know, from those guys, we're going to have some real misses out of that area again this year. Yeah. No, absolutely. I kind of I kind of look at that tier that you were talking about with those uh, mid tight end ones as like those those RB twos that you're drafting in like the the fourth, the right. fifth, the sixth round. So that's yeah, the exactly Austin Hoopers, you know, uh, yeah. you know, even Hayden Hurst has climbed up there now. Yeah, Connor he's like Henry. inside top ten, I think now um, in most Gronk. drafts. Hey, you you just got us. You just probably got us a bad review on on our podcast <laughs> for saying Gronk. How how dare you? Um, I know. Yeah. So uh, I guess maybe to, to, to maybe put a bow on auctions. Um, uh, what is, what's something you might do uh, that you always do in auctions that you'll never do in a snake that you've noticed? Is there something? Uh, I mean, just like I said, just in general, taking on like some of those high risky players, like last year in auctions, I wanted like Leonard Fournette in every auction because of the what I saw like he had you know he was eventually I believed he was going to eventually stay healthy one season he had none of this competition on the depth chart and for, to an extent I believe I it was a right target but I was also knew that like this guy also had he was a high injury risk and he was still costing a third round pick in redraft so I was still a little skeptical where of guys going around him so but in auction leagues I really wanted him so I mean that's kind of what like I said I just I'll take on a little bit more of those risky guys um, in that sense. And I'll, like I said, I'll shed some of that skin, um, in that regard. Yeah. And for me, I think, um, if there was something that I would do in auction drafts that I normally or typically wouldn't do in a snake draft, I probably, I, sometimes I, I do find myself handcuffing in auctions if the price is right. Cause I feel like if I can get, if I have Zeke, um, and I can get Tony Pollard for, uh, you know, a very minimal part of my budget, I'm totally fine with doing that where I'm not wasting a 11th, 12th round draft pick. I feel like I'm getting a decent budget uh, running back out of that where he has some standalone value. And plus he, he is a handcuff, which I typically don't do, but it's all about the value again. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of into that. So for 
we did a lot of things that we talked about a lot of things that were possibly for people just trying to get into auctions. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm sure people that have, have played a lot of auctions are listening to as well. Is there anything that you might offer that's different for people that have done auctions, their league does auctions that maybe they can put a new wrinkle on doing their auction that you do in your home league or anything else? Uh, I, you know, I do not, but, um, we were talking before this auction or this auctionable, uh, podcast <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I just started doing auctions because, uh, of Ryan McDowell and guys like Dan Mailer, um, that were being commissions. And so they're all typically, uh, these 24 hour proxy bid, nothing, nothing too quirky about the auction itself. Um, but I, I think you should totally tell our listeners what it is your, your home league draft does. Cause I think it's very interesting and uh, puts a whole new spin on the auction itself. Yeah. So our home league and we've been, we've had our, our main like home auction league, you know, this will be our, our 12th year doing it. And we do, you know, if you do an auction, you know, you nominate a player on the, your site on ESPN or even at home and typically you'll have an auction year or, you know, someone and, and it just goes until someone stops bidding the highest we actually have like a different spin on it. So we have like kind of a circular, you know, seating arrangement and we have like campfire lights. They're like these little stovetop lights you turn off and on. And if you nominate a player, it goes clockwise and you have to, you know, bid up the, the player. So if you nominate a player like Clyde Edwards Solaire for $10, the person after you has to bid 11 or higher dollar amount to stay in the bid. Um, but the thing is, is if you decide to back out, and turn your light off you cannot re-enter the bid so you you eliminate what it does is you eliminate these these guys I like to call the price enforcer goons um <laughs> and listen if ryan mcdowell is listening to this ryan mcdowell is a price enforcer goon yeah, uh, sure uh and i mean that in a, in a compliment complimentary way too it's just these guys that will never let a player value go because this yeah. guy is going for you know, you pass on a guy and you say, well, I'm not in on the bid, but now he's going for $10 cheaper than I had him. I got to get back in. So we eliminate that element of it. Uh, and it, one, it does speed the draft along too. It, it, Time-wise, it makes the draft go faster. Sure, uh, sure. And then you also get rid of those, like I said, those, those price enforcers that say, oh, well, he was a great value. So, I mean, I couldn't let him go for that, 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 that cheap. Uh, but I really didn't want him. Yeah. Yeah. So, so your auction is completely different, obviously, than the proxy. Um, you guys are doing it, uh, hopefully, live in person. You normally would. COVID. What's up? Hashtag. Um, so you guys, are you guys like, um, you, you, you pick a position, like one, like, uh, like how you would for a snake, one through 12, if you have 12 guys in your draft, you nominate first, you're second, this, and then it goes down the line. Is that how it does? How, is that how it goes? Yeah, yeah, it moves in order. So, like, uh, you can't bid until it's technically your turn. Um, mm. But you'll know what the price is when it comes to you. So, it, sometimes okay, so you're go, not always the first one, obviously, to say, no, I don't want to be in on this guy. Correct. It, it always – okay. So, always, the okay. nomination moves. Perfect. So, the nomination yeah. moves, and then it goes That's around. Um, but, you, yeah, so you always know, and you don't, you don't have to just bid up a dollar either. You know, if you nominate Clyde or for 10, I can instantly go 25. And then the yeah. dude after me has to decide – 26 yeah. or, or bounce but it eliminates and it, and it really helps the and, middle and end of the drafts where you don't get these guys seeing a player and then they just go well he's just a dollar i'll go too you know it's, yeah it's, it makes you focus on like getting in and out and it, like i said it really speeds up the draft and it makes people make harder decisions uh, on players and 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 also they like said just not strictly price and force which uh is very yeah. aggravating yeah it's, it is aggravating especially like when you've got you know, you've gone 23 hours and 
30 minutes and you're like, I'm going to get this guy at a good deal. And then dude just bids you up like a dollar. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, insanity. it's, it's, it's literally hashtag the worst. Um, all right. So um, I think uh, we've, we've got, we've given the lif- listeners, listeners um, plenty to, to think about um, plenty to uh, digest as they might head towards their, their auctions. And I do want to say, um, although we're, we're doing this episode on auctions, I am by no means an auction expert. Um, I, I am friends and follow people who are much better at this than I am. Um, this is just a glimpse of how I go about my auctions. And I know you obviously don't feel like you're like this, this master auctioneer as well. We're always trying to get better in auctions. It's, it's always a crapshoot, but it, I will tell you, auctions are always the most fun you'll have at a draft. So I will say that much. Do you have anything? Yeah, every draft is very unique and not that every snake draft isn't, but every auction draft is definitely its yeah. own room. Yeah. 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 I mean, snakes, snakes get pretty cookie cutter, especially towards the end of the year. You, you kind of know what you're getting, what you're not going to get aside from a couple of curveballs and auctions. They're all about curveballs. And that's, that's why I, I love it myself. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's basically our show on auctions. If you, if you have any questions about auctions, um, please, please feel free to um, uh, tweet at Rich. Um, he's at Lord Reeves on Twitter. Uh, you can ask me. I'm at Chad underscore Scott 13 on Twitter. Um, before we get out of here, I just want to make sure that everybody please. And we got, we got some, we got some reviews this last week um, on the podcast. We want more. Um, they really help us out. Please, please, please go rate, review, and subscribe to uh, our, our little podcast here uh, as, we, as we get on our feet and up and running. Um, make sure you're going to uh, sharpfootballanalysis.com, uh, getting that book by Warren Sharp, uh, Lord Reeves, or Rich Rebar, and, and Dan Pizzuta. They put a crap ton of work into that book, and it will uh, be worth every penny you spend on it. Uh, go to uh, Sharp Football Analysis. Go read your free work while it's free right oh, yeah. now at the website for free. Um, make sure you're doing that because it's free. Okay. So uh, for, for Rich Rebar, I'm Chad Scott. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Later.